Welcome to the Salty Club podcast. I am your host, Caitlin Creeper. The Salty Club is where we bring surf, yoga, nutrition, empowerment, and community under the same roof. We've found that when a person invites these five facets into their life, they become a force to be reckoned with. Join me for interviews and solo casts on all these topics and more. The idea is to share the inspiring stories of adventurers, experts, and game changers. People who have wandered from the conventional path and are doing life on their terms. Thanks for being here and let's do this. I am here today with Yana Robinson. Yana is an author, director, non-fiction poet, mentor, coach, speaker and trusted voice of female empowerment. Robinson also facilitates workshops and retreats worldwide that focus on mental, physical and spiritual health. She believes that a devotion to joy is just as healing as the psychological side of personal growth. The Salties and Yana share a similar why in empowering women through play and awareness, which is why we're collaborating and why she's here today. Yana, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you. (laughs) It's nice to be back. So today we're talking about money and abundance. In your words, what is abundance? Mm, abundance is I think money is energy and I think that abundance is it isn't money abundance is this limitless I it's like it's like this round like when I think of abundance I think of like this big round space um that is really full um that has everything in it from like sweet little moments with like dogs and smiles with kids and interactions to like abundant joy-filled moments to um yeah to moments of abundance with money and like getting big paychecks where you're like woohoo <laughs> um and I think about Um, an abundance of time, like thinking about in my life. Also, abundance can be contextual to um, being able to work for two hours and have 10 hours to play. So it definitely just, it is a positive word that is affiliated with money and success. However, abundance is like the friendliest way of saying, you know, you're taken care of by the universe, I think, and that like you're supported and you're whole and you're like almost like in this egg or this bubble of just like, awesomeness. Mm-hmm. So why is it important to develop a healthy relationship with money? Because whether you think money is like the fucking devil or you want to like swim in bathtubs of it, the fact is in our world, we need money. Um, we use money as a currency unless you live in a village that does energy exchanges in the mountains, which fair enough exists. Um, you can totally um, abandon money and live in, you know, in little, create your own currencies. People are doing it. Um, but for the most of the world, I would say 80% of us, we operate with money. And, um, you know, it is a currency of how we exchange energy for everything from groceries to, you know, the roof over our head to our vehicles to the services that we get. Um, It is how human beings swap and exchange their services. And so for me, money really is just energy. And I think that takes some of the negative connotation out of it and it makes it easier to both receive it and spend it when we think about, okay, I'm just investing energy um, into something or I'm receiving something for the energy that I've given. So I think that it softens and makes it more relatable and also more positive if we look at money as being just energy. I love that. I love how you describe that. Um, It hasn't always been that way though, has it? How was your relationship with money growing up? 
Um, so money and me have had a very interesting relationship last year and a half. I've become, um, what I feel is a master, but I'm always learning about abundance and money. Um, but yeah, I grew up with, uh, both my parents really have never cared a whole lot about money. It's been about experience. Um, my mom was a single mom. We grew up in White Horse in a little cabin, and she used to sit by her stove and read books and, you know, work enough to live in a lot of cases, and so does my father. Um, and yeah, but she was a single mom, and when I was born, she was on welfare, so there's moments where she's told me that she was, like, pumping gas at a local gas station with me in a car seat in the truck because she couldn't afford a babysitter. Um, so... I remember growing up in Nelson, BC and having like a $5 allowance of the week when I was in grade three and four, where I was like, okay, I get like five bucks. And I'd go to like the one cent candy store and get like 30 cherry blasters. And then I'd go to like the secondhand shop and buy like teddy bears. Cause I had like this bed full of teddy bears. Teddy bears were also abundance for sure. Um, but it, yeah, it wasn't my, I never had a lot of trips where we would like go to Mexico. It was, it was more so we would go camping or go to the lake. So, um, I was never aware that my childhood was in lack of money. Like I never, ever remember that. I remember my mom, um, when I was graduating high school in Sherwood Park, I got this custom made beautiful silk dress. And at one point she started crying saying like she wanted to like give me all of my desires for graduation and everything was there. And she didn't feel like she'd ever been able to give me enough. And I remember being incredibly shocked because my awareness was never of lack, even though in reality we didn't grow up maybe with the abundance of, if you were to compare it to different families. Um, I never felt hungry or afraid there would be no food on the table. I'm sure my mom did, but she kept her shit together. <laughs> like she's told me moments of like, yeah, we paid the rent and there'd be like 30 bucks and, mm-hmm. and yeah, like, so they're, they're definitely, I think, also how she facilitated the money in my life. There wasn't an awareness of, oh my God, we're in scarcity. You know, I remember going on, driving down to Guatemala in a bug and sleeping in these like huts and, you know, eating fresh mangoes where maybe we didn't have the money to stay in a hotel, but I wasn't aware of that. I was just in joy. So I also think that how our parents facilitate and engage with money is huge, right? Mm-hmm. If there's always that, <clears throat> ooh. <laughs> that was my smoothie. <laughs> it's fine. It's real. Um, so I think that also how our parents engage with money is really important as well. So um, with within that, even if there wasn't a lot of money in my life, my mom still had a really somewhat positive relationship. And it didn't trickle down to me of um, sometimes wanting to like save money and not spend money on things, which I can talk about a little bit more. Um, however... I think that that was facilitated where some parents are very like open of like, we're struggling and we can't get by. And then there's like this very aware presence and stress of like, ah, fuck, you know? And I think that scarcity really ingrains in us. Mm -hmm. Um, So it really just also depends how our relation, how our parents share their relationship with money with us as we're children. And how my mom shared the relationship with me was maybe like, okay, we're not going to go to do this trip to like, I don't know, Florida and go stay in or like Hamptons or whatever. Um, but it, or, you know, we're only going to buy this, have this much money for clothes, but I never really also felt the fucking clutches of like poverty or scarcity or, or fear as well. Right. Okay. And so she didn't talk about money much. So you weren't aware of that scarcity. Now you're quite vocal about money. You seem very comfortable talking figures very openly about that. Is that something that you've had to develop? Yeah. (laughs) 
that's a skill. Um, so I think that, well, you know what? I actually think that if you grow up with a healthy relationship with money, like I think that if your parents are, um, if, you know, if, if you grow up and some people really seriously have no, no worries about money, like no stress, mm-hmm. it's always there. They always make it. I have some clients I work with where it's like, money is not the thing that we work on. You know, they're really thriving in their relationship with money and they want to work on other areas of their life that are in imbalance. So, um, I would definitely wouldn't put everybody in a box and say that we all have issues with money, but I think a lot of us have problems with, um, receiving money. And I think that, um, how we do one thing is how we do all things. So receiving contextually is, is often to do with feeling worthy or enough. And, you know, that's like, oh, I can't receive or make that much money or I can't publish the book cause I'm not 30 or, mm-hmm. um, you know, I can't charge that much money cause I'm just starting. Um, when, and it's like some people just really trap themselves as well with how much money they could be making because they don't feel qualified, which is, I think it all stems from feeling worthy or enough. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing is if we believe that we are unworthy in our lives as a limiting belief, which is often unconscious, how that manifests is scarcity. And I think when we shift that context and that belief of, you know, I am worthy, I am worthy from I am worthy sprouts relationships. People respect us and treat us with love and, you know, people in business treat us with love and respect and, um, yeah, money, because if you're worthy, that's not something that's, that's there. It's like, I think that scarcity is directly related to feeling unworthy. So for my own journey, my big belief was feeling worthy, um, from my relationship with my father, that was something that I decided pretty young, um, that because of his absence, I was unworthy of him being in my life. And, um, so that manifested for me in both male relationships, um, as well as money in a huge way. And the more healing and work that I've done over the last fucking like eight years, uh, <laughs> workshops and punched pillows and, um, done my, done my work around it. And, um, and, and truly the way that I've healed that in a lot of ways is being around. I also thought that good people couldn't have lots of money. I always, Can you talk about, about that? Because that's what I was going to say. We're creators, we're writers, and there's that whole mentality that to be true to your art, to be legit, to be authentic, you need to be poor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I'm actually going to write, I'm going to write an article about this because when I started to make money, I also freaked out. There was a moment where I was, I remember I was in California I was invited on this road trip with this really cool couple that I met in Seattle and we were staying at these like amazing hotel rooms. They had some kind of hookup in their family. So it was like $600 a night hotel rooms were like 50 or hundred bucks, but they were like swanky motherfucking rooms that like I imagine Oprah would stay at or something. And I just felt like a queen and, you know, I'm drinking rosé wine on boats and like, I just had come out of last year losing a friend to suicide and I spent six months in grief and it was heavy. I had a lot of lessons that were not light and not joy. I would say that the year before was probably the heaviest, one of the heaviest years of my life. So I entered into the state of moving through healing through the grief and then, um, stepping into more power in my business and then like starting to thrive. And that was like the first trip where I was like, I'm balling. (laughs) Um, and it was, and it was fun, but I had like, I would post a picture of me on a boat drinking wine at sunset, being happy. And I would feel weird because my story and my art and my work had been struggle and broke and scarcity and grief and sadness and not worthy and men not choosing me and pain. And so when I shifted that, there was this fear of 
people aren't going to want to read my work and they're not going to connect with me as much because you know, more people are in suffering than they are in growth. More of us are broke and unhappy than thriving and joyful. And it has nothing to do with money being thriving and being joyful. I do not think are connected or linked to money, but I do think that when you're constantly just focusing on how much money you're making and stressed about just getting by, it's also pretty hard to relax and then enjoy the ride. So I have noticed that, um, my energy can shift from like, Oh shit, am I going to pay rent to like, what fucking magical thing am I going to create? You know, like what design do I want to put on my next apparel product? Like where, oh, maybe I should do a retreat in Africa or Morocco or India. And like, what about that? Let's make a video. Like those, when money is there, you have the abundance to like create more. And, um, so coming back to that picture on the boat, it was like this fear of shit. My arts, I'm not going to, my art's going to go to shit. Like it's going to become terrible and then no one's going to read my work. Um, and I was, I resisted the urge to make money because I wanted to be a broke, poor artist. And so I had this moment where, um, I freaked out and I was actually, cause I, after I posted that picture, it was kind of, it was gaining awareness on it. And then I was in this hotel room and I left my toothbrush in the car or something. So I went down to the desk and I was wearing this crinkled, like, Shakti, like India, purple, like Om, like I'm a yoga, yogi, whatever, um, shirt on. And I go down to the front desk and to get a toothbrush. And it's probably like, I think we got in late. So it's like 9am and there's businessmen in suits with like polished shoes with like hair, like Ryan Gosling's ass everywhere. (laughs) And like, just perfect. And like, they've already had, they've crushed three meetings and four coffees and like, they're checking out for the day and it's 9am. And I'm like, here with my hair that automatically people think I smoke weed, which I don't really smoke weed, <laughs> um, with this Shakti shirt being like, I do not belong here. Yeah. I do not belong here. What the fuck am I doing here? I write, I write poems making fun of these people mm. and I don't, I don't fit here. You know, I'm not worthy of being here. And I also, I also don't want to be the people that have money because those people are bad and shitty and boring and they threw away their joy and their life and all, you know, all of the beliefs that I had started to show up. And so I had a, I call, scheduled a call with my coach kind of impromptu. Thank you, Drew, for being there. <laughs> um, and we hopped on the call and I like had to look at my negative beliefs around people with money. So it was like the people that make money are the ones that, you know, have pensions and, you know, work till they're 50 and then their bodies are broken and they don't enjoy life. People with money are the ones that have no integrity, you know, to make money, you have to have no integrity or you have to put less value on the things like joy and, you know, sell out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're going to make money, you're going to be a total sellout and not have integrity. Um, I think of money and I think of like men wearing like silk kimonos, like just like with all this money being wired between countries illegally <laughs> and like smoking cigars with like babes with like big boobs that are there that are like smoking, like doing rolls of cocaine or lines. Clearly I don't do drugs because I just called a a line of cocaine, a roll of cocaine. Um, And that's what I envision is just like evil, you know, fuck, like you can't have money and have integrity. And the good artists are the ones that are starving. You know, it's Bukowski who is like pretty much like living on the streets. And um, when the, when his publisher picked him up and said, um, I will give you a hundred dollars back in the day, that was a lot of money every, every month for the rest of your life, if you come right for me, even if your books sink. Um, so he got a pretty good setup actually. But, um, you know, I think about, about that. It's like, we, 
we want to believe that we need to struggle to be artists and that good art is struggle. You know, I have some friends who are musicians who are like, you know, you understand that you need to go into like states of extreme sadness or angst or anger to create art. And like when you go into the studio, you need to go into like your, your deep, ugly closets of emotions <laughs> to create the powerful songs. And I was just like, well, wait a second. Like, what if we could create from a place of joy and what if we could live from a place of, of love and joy and, and growth and like, Hey, I'm not struggling. And you know, what does that look like? And can I do that in a way that people will still connect with? And so I had been reading also artists that struggled and thrived off struggling. And, um, actually, um, I, I find, I'm going to publicly say her name, um, yoga girl who I followed her work and I really enjoy her message and her authenticity. I remember reading her post about her friend that passed and her feeling it. And, um, I love that the work that she is doing, but however, a lot of what she shares is like her suffering, her authenticity within suffering, which has a place and is important. But I remember reading it at this point where I was shifting to a place of joy going, I don't want to become famous for being authentic within my suffering. You know, I don't want to prostitute my pain and have that. And I think any kind of writing is prostituting ourselves if you're writing nonfiction. So it's not negative. I think that it's beautiful to share nonfiction about our lives. And fuck yes, we need to talk about grief and suicide and depression. And, you know, I wrote about my abortion. I've wrote about things that are heavy and those have a place and are important. But I just shifted to a place in my life, which as my writing is my life, it's like, I'm not in grief anymore. Men are being nice to me. My friends are awesome. My life is fun. Um, I have the freedom to go on a two week surf trip with my two new buddies and tromp around California. And like for the first time in my life, I'm feeling super light and joyful. And what would it look like if I created from this space? Mm -hmm. And what what has it looked like so far? Um, I still think that I, I, I still share and I still feel most comfortable sharing the suffering. Like when a man comes into my life and it doesn't work out that like, screw you and, and, you know, like that part of me, um, does come out. And like, there's actually these cards of humanity. My friend in Costa Rica does. And she told me that I'm um, a manifestors and manifestors. There's like 10 or 15% of people that are manifestors. And we are like the leaders of the world who create from a place of fire, like fire is our steam. So I do think that like also with Scorpio rising, going in, I'm like, wow, I'm ultra spiritual all of a sudden. Um, as a Scorpio rising, I'm cancer, but I have that, which is like, you know, death, magic, and sex are the primary components. Yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah, I'm like kind of dramatic in an astrological sense and in a cards of humanity sense. And like fire is my steam. So like, I don't think I'll ever stop shooting bullets and being like, <sighs> like just like taking bites out of this world. And like, I have a poem in my book called like another poem about how I like, hate suburban and you know like we need less dickheads more people living like they mean it and like fuck pensions like I'm probably gonna have Alanis Morissette phase for most of my life where I'm angry um which will be there I think just in how it feels really good and cathartic for me to release through writing Mm. however I have noticed the last year as I'm moving into joy that um you know it's like it's it's writing also from a place of of lightness and Mm. Um, looking at artists that, you know, it's like Rumi wrote from a place of love. Um, Osho has written a lot of really beautiful stuff, some suffering, but some love as well. Um, E.E. Cummings, um, Kerouac, some of his stuff was suffering, some of it was like joy and adventure, but 
looking at people who mastered the craft of art from joy and just also knowing people also get famous off writing love and joy. Um, I would love to experience being in a super pure, healthy, secure, loving relationship where I can share art from that place. Um, I'm really excited to share those pieces in the future as I, I'm walking into more secure and loving relationships and um, even if they're shorter sometimes. Um, kind of hard when you're changing countries more than you're changing underwear. Um, but um, within that, there is this piece. And I, I used to think, like, you know, how the fuck am I going to write a poem that people are going to want to read about, like, oh, this morning I woke up and, like, drank a coconut, and then I went surfing, and there was, like, turtles and stingrays and a rainbow, and I got a turquoise wave in the ocean. And, um, you know, it's like, how do I... Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like... In, in that space, like, who's going to want to read about that? They liked me more when I was swearing at the man, making money in a, in a tower. And, you know, and so what I'm learning is that the joy just has as much space in this world. And I also, in my videos that I direct, um, this is for the women who don't give a fuck. I filmed in New York a couple of years ago and it was very much when I was in that, like, um, Oh yes, this is really important. Okay. Yes. Okay. There's a, there's a, there's a film. Um, I think it's called the, uh, the, the sun or something. Oh shit. Uh, I'll talk, I'll try it. We can maybe put the link in the, in the interview somewhere. Um, National Film Board of uh, Canada made this story and there's like this, it's like an animated film of this angry rain cloud and the sun and this little stick man. And yes, this is so important. So, um, so anyways, I love, I love, this is like how I've the shift in my life. So it's so perfect too, with even with everything is there's this angry rain cloud and the sun and there's a little stick man below and the angry rain cloud says to the sun, let's see who can make the little stick man take his jacket off first. And the sun's like, okay. So the angry rain, rain cloud goes first and he comes up and he's like, Whoo! and he's like blowing snow and rain and just like the little stick man, you can see him walking and he's getting cold and kind of like wrapping his coat around him. And then the rain cloud blows harder and harder and harder and like everything inside of him and then um he just the little ring like stick figures like fuck and just like wraps his little he doesn't actually say fuck um because <laughs> only I am allowed to swear and he like wraps his coat around him and um and and doesn't take it off and he gives up and then the sun comes up and and he's like okay I'll try and he just really, really, really gently lets out like these little tiny rays of sunshine, like these little sweet, warm, like after a day of rain, when you've been inside all day and you feel the sun kind of like flicker on your face and you're like, oh, kind of like lets those out. And the little man that is walking starts to get a little warm and takes his coat off and goes to sit by a tree. So my art used to be angry rain cloud. And if you watch this is for the women who don't give a fuck. My first video that I've directed, you see angry rain cloud. It's very like in your face. Like this is for the women who don't give a fuck. You know, the women who are first to get naked, howl on the moon. It's very like, it's, it's that energy of like, I want you to change and I'm going to like do it by like shaking you. And I'm moving into this softness and grace with my art, which is really subtle. And I actually learned this lesson from a musician who was making a video about gender equality. And he, um, he hired me to come on and be a, an actress in it and um, wanted someone who worked within female empowerment. 
and um, there was a bunch of scenes when we were planning of like men holding these signs out that said respect and lipstick um, and like really abrupt in your face um, scenes and we ended up not using any of them and I got upset because I was like people are not going to know what the video is about and then he said to me Yana, like, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's scenes where like I'm cooking you dinner in the kitchen and you're chopping wood and I come out and I give you dinner and like leave it there while you chop wood. And like, I want little boys to watch this video and to think it's cool that a rock star is kicking, is cooking his wife or his partner, um, dinner. Like I want them to think it like that is cool. And I'm saying that that is cool. I want the redneck in his truck to be blasting this song who has no idea it is about gender equality, women's rights. It's about that subtle rain cloud, um, space of anger as an emotion. When we create it shuts, it's great because it makes us feel really strong and powerful, but it actually shuts people down so that they don't really have an experience. So a lot of activism is angry, which means that you're heard, but you shut this world down. And so what I'm learning to embody is existing, knowing that I already am empowerment with my art and my videos, you know, resting into the worthiness, the empowerment, everything that I already am and existing from that space and also creating art from that space and how that translates and correlates is, you know, the next video that's coming out is I will never be a well-behaved woman should be coming out hopefully soon. My filmmaker finishes it. (laughs) Um, And, you know, it's women laughing with surfboards and being playful and joyful and just like, we don't give a fuck because like, this is who we are. And like, not like I'm having to be this who you are to piss you off. I'm just being who I am because it gives me joy. And that is the divine feminine. You know, I think so many women are trying to lead like a man and it's important to lead like a woman and to lead with softness and with grace. And, um, and so, yeah, so a lot of my work and my art is changing to be, I would say more feminine and be softer. And, um, I don't know if I just really think that it's also important people know that they can exist as artists and, fucking thrive and kick ass and make money and create from a place of joy and live from a place of joy. And if you're aware that like, you know, being in struggle and scarcity is part of your ego and your identity, it's like, that's serious something to look at. Because we work in service to other people. That's our work. And it's also kind of our purpose as well. So I think some women can feel guilt around asking for money about because they're doing a service. Um, Can you speak to that? Um, yeah. So I think that regardless of, I think that regardless of gender, that with making money and receiving money, and I do think that more women are like, like, you know, as women, we are nurturers and mothers and givers and, you know, men are meant to be the gatherers and the, like back in the day when we were like living in caves with like pieces of elk, like covering our private bits, we actually probably didn't even have elk covering our private bits. We just had private bits out. Um, men were out there doing the things and women were in there doing the things. And so I think that ingrained in us is this need on like a super, super, um, genetic level in like a really unconscious way of, I should give and give and give and give and give and give. And that is my self-worth and that is my purpose. And that is why women are mothers and nurturers. Um, and so now that there's this big sweep of like women going out and like ruling the world, like Beyonce and, there's still sometimes this piece around that receivingness because I think that we're more ingrained to give um, in a lot of ways and like give and take care of our men and take care of people in our lives and they're the one that puts the food on the table. So then when it comes to like women going out into this world and making money, um, I think that 
my biggest thing is that receiving takes vulnerability. So giving is super easy. Receiving requires vulnerability and receiving money is hard because a lot of us want to be independent and do everything ourselves and prove that, you know, we are just as strong as men and, um, you know, we can, we can do it and provide for ourselves. And like, there's so much stigma around like women being gold diggers and blah, 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 that like, there's so many women that I, well, maybe just because I am one, um, (laughs) we attract what we are of people in my life who are like, CEOs and owners of businesses and like total bosses ruling this world. And I think in that energy and in that space, um, there needs to be like, yeah, we need to learn how to receive and say yes to money. And, um, regardless, seriously, regardless of gender receiving is fucking hard. Like whether you're a man or woman, it's hard to say yes to money. Um, I think also when you're new, it's hard to say yes to money doing something. Like you're starting a business, um, there's not always confidence that what you're doing has worth. Um, so essentially it's just, a, a trust that what we are offering into this world has value. And when I say that, I think something has value if it gives you joy and you love it. I think that's it. And if somebody sees that and it gives them joy and they want to work with you or be in service or buy your things or whatever, and it's going to give them joy, then, then it's like, it's beautiful. And I think that, um, our weaknesses, our strengths turned up too loud. And within that, um, a weakness that many of us have is, um, I think that when we are, super independent, right? Beautiful strength. Codependency can be dysfunctional and fucked. Um, also human beings are, you know, communal creatures. So we are going to be a bit codependent and connection is healthy and beautiful, but, um, there's this big swing of the pendulum of, I want to be super independent, especially as females. Um, I'm independent. I'm independent. You know, I'm, I'm running the show. And when independence is turned up too loud, it becomes an inability to receive and an inability to be vulnerable. I believe that receiving requires vulnerability, especially with money. And I think that we need to be willing to um, surrender and the knowingness and soften into the fact that um, you can be an independent, strong woman and receive and make money and rule the world. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, I was thinking in terms of receiving money, but as well asking for it, right? Mm. Like you spoke about a few years ago, you upped your prices significantly. And you also lost all your clients at that time because of that. Yes. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Hell yeah, girl. You want to talk numbers? We can talk <laughs> numbers. There's also so much shame about money. Just like shame. Like, you know, it's like buying tampons. You know, it's like, of course we all get fucking periods. Like we're women and that's our cycle. Why do we have to feel embarrassed when there's like a hot guy working at the checkout? Um, I feel the same way about money. It's like, it's super healing for me, for somebody to be like, for me to say like, how much are you making with that? And for them just to say a number and it to not be like, oh, uh, uh, like the energy to just be clear. Um, so I believe that obviously as we evolve, we shift our prices. And like when we start out designing a website and we're like teaching ourselves with YouTube, um, we might not be charging a couple thousand dollars because there's an, a progression and an evolution of that. And also the value of writing an article when you have a thousand followers and now having 150,000 followers is significantly different. Now that I sell product and I post a picture wearing one of my shirts and I make a thousand bucks, it's like, oh, you mean all those people that sent me like free swag? And I was like, oh, cool, like a $50 shirt. Like they actually made bank. (laughs) 
Um, stop selling other people's product and sell your own product also, side note. It's super smart to sell apparel if you have a following and you're doing a thing. Um, and typically change my prices. Um, well, I was... So your Thrive number and your Survive number will change throughout your life. I think that um, our idea, we build ceilings on what we believe that we are capable of in and outside of money, right? It's like $30,000 a month can feel like a lot of money when you're first starting to write. You're like, man, if I can make $30,000 a month as a writer, like I'm just, like I'm I'm JK Rowling if I'm making 30 grand a month. And then you're like, wait, JK Rowling got a $300,000 signing bonus? Like, shit, I have a bigger ceiling. Um, so when I first started writing, you know, if anyone wanted to give me, think what people wanted to pay me like $5 an article, I was like, oh my God, you like my writing? You want to give me money? Like, yes, <laughs> give me the money. Like 50 bucks, 100 bucks. Like it was like, give it to me. Um, so I just pretty much got paid everything and anything and wrote for free for like a super long time. And a lot of publications also think that like followers pay the rent. So that was okay. And followers do pay the rent sometimes. So it's, it, it is okay at certain points in your business. Um, but I got to a point where I had articles going viral with like millions of views. These publications have advertising. I had no idea people were like, making bank off me and was still just like trying to validate myself in this world with my art. So it was like, oh my God, I'm getting published on Elephant Journal. I'm a writer, you know, and that's exciting getting published and all those pieces and then struggling to like balance that with like, cool, how do I validate myself financially for the shit that I'm pouring energy to into and not really understanding how to make that work. So um, I quit my serving jobs and everything kind of went all into writing and I was making like, I don't know, maybe like 500 or $600 a month to maybe if I won like top writer and I was super ambitious with Elephant Journal. So I won type writer, top writer like five times because I'm a motherfucking boss, but it was stressful because you're also only making money if you like win and then you're writing to win, which kind of wires you to like what other people love instead of what you love. So that's why I stopped doing that. Um, however, in that space, I was making like maybe like 500 to like 1200 bucks, maybe 1200 bucks, 1200 bucks a month was like good. Um, so I went and I worked in this butterfly garden in Costa Rica as a volunteer exchange where I worked in exchange for food and accommodation. And, um, that allowed me to exist in, you know, Costa Rica is actually now as expensive as Canada. So I don't know, it felt cheaper. And then I realized I was still pouring all of this energy into supporting myself by serving people coffee and cleaning up caterpillar poop. And that like, wasn't really my life's work. So that was cute for a little while. I learned to surf. I'm grateful for that experience. And then it was time to make bank from writing. And so I flew out to Colorado and, um, was meeting with this, this publication I was writing for. And I remember, um, setting up a meeting where I, I know the number, I was going to ask for $1,500 a month to write as many articles as I wanted or however they wanted for this publication. And I was monogamously just going to be like their staff writer. And I seriously thought that $1,500 a month was like a fuck ton of money to make as a writer. And like, that was it. And they were doing me this huge favor and I was indebted to them. And like, I just had no idea really. Um, and the, the person I was meeting with I canceled, asked to reschedule the meeting till later because they were busy. And I, by chance, happened upon having coffee with this woman. Um, she owns a publication called Sexy Conscious Awake. Her name is Kelly Marceau. Um, and we sat down and had coffee. Like a friend of ours hooked us up. And um, I was talking to her about my writing. And she was talking to me about my success within it, which I didn't even really see as a success yet. Um, 
and she asked me how much money I was making. And I got into telling her what I was making, and she spit her coffee out <laughs> across the table. Um, and she's very loud, and she's like, like with her body and her expressions, and she was like, what? Um, and just said, you should be making like a minimum of like $250 an article. Like 250 to like 400 bucks, like a dollar or two dollars a word is like what people make for writing with a lot of magazines. And, you know, you're as talented and amazing and that's what you should be making. Um, and she, then she said to me, and don't think that you ever need anybody else to like support you. Like you don't need a publication to pay you. You can create all of this on your own, work with publications, but like don't give your voice away to one person. I don't think that's a good choice. And then she said, go hike a mountain <laughs> and think about how much money you want to make and like write it down. And so I was like, oh my God, I'm so grateful my meeting was canceled. Um, thank you, universe. And things that feel like they're not working out always are. Things are not happening to me. They're happening for me. Um, and so I went and hiked this beautiful mountain. And I remember being like $4,000 a month Canadian, like holy shit, $4,000 a month. I did the math and it was like $46,000, I think. Excuse me if the math is off. Something in, somewhere in the 4000 40000s. And for me, 30000 was thriving. So like 40000 was like a big deal. And um, so I, I wrote that number down and um, felt really intimidated and scared of it and didn't totally believe it. And, um, but just decided that I was going to make it work. So I needed to change my prices because I was writing like 12 to 18 articles a month or whatever it was and barely getting by and I knew that needed to happen. And I was writing for about six smaller blogs and publications who I love and appreciate and I'm so happy they invested in me, but I also needed to invest back into myself by evolving with the evolution that I already was. And so that meant gracefully um, changing my prices and unfortunately, um, and I changed my prices Um that meant that no one could afford me, which was sad because I loved working with everybody, but it was also part of what happens and it's part of nature. And um, then I shit my pants, obviously, because my $600 a month or whatever still felt like a lot of money and it went away. Um, and there was probably 10 days to two weeks where I was like, I'm a total fucking idiot. Like, I don't even know this woman. Like, why did I do that? Oh, God. Um, and, and you want to go back to your old context, you want to go back to what is safe. You want to go back to that because you don't truly believe that you will be supported in a new context or a new number, right? When we talk about setting a thrive number in your life for you to make a month, you have not experienced making $7,000 a month. So why the fuck would you trust that you're going to make it? We trust through experience. We have confidence in something through experience. When you set a number or you set an intention of where you want to go in your life, you don't have the experience yet to trust it. So like, no shit, you're going to feel a little scared. That's normal. And also what's normal is wanting to shrink back, like shrink back into that. Okay, no, screw it. Sorry. Haha. Just kidding. I'll, I'll make that. Sure. Come back. Ah, <laughs> like, like that is anxiety shows that that scarcity, anxiety around money. Um, so I went and, um, changed my prices. No, confidence that like, I, like I believed it, but I was also like, I don't know, like could be just on some juice right now. Um, clearly green juices. I don't even know how to do cocaine as we've cleared up earlier in this interview. <laughs> Rolls of cocaine, baby. Um, and, uh, and so I remember getting this email from this guy when I was in New York and he was like super vague and he was like, Oh, I like really want you to be the voice of my company. And he would write these like super long spiritual emails. And I was just like, dude, what the fuck do you want? And I actually like snapped at him and I was like, we've emailed three times and I have no idea what you want. 
no idea. And he wrote me back being like, well, your fire is part of why I want to hire you. So that's good. I want you to contribute blogs and social media content to my brand or my website. And I was like, cool. And then I was like, okay, what would old Yana ask for? And I was like, I don't know, probably like $500. Um, and I'm like, what would Thrive Yana ask for? And I was like, $2,000. I wanted to ask for $1,000. $1,000 was safe. And then I was like, just ask for $2,000 a month, Yana. Just ask for it. Just do it. Um, and so I asked for $2,000 a month. And he was like, awesome. That's what I had in mind. And I was like, oh my God, you could have totally fucked up and he had that money to spend you and blah, blah. And I was like, okay, cool. Sweet, I'm making $2,000 a month. I've already doubled pretty much what I was making before. Um, I met a woman in New York also on that trip. Um, yeah, so cool with Timeline. Um, who was writing for this? She's like a magazine and we met and she's like, I can pay you $500 a month US to write two articles a month, so 215 article. Um, and so then I'm like, awesome. And then the woman that I met up with in Colorado, I end up writing for her publication and making like a thousand bucks a month. So then I was at 3,500 US dollars, which with the exchange rate, because the Canadian dollar sucks, um, was four grand. And I hit my number. And then I trusted the experience of, of growth with money. I trusted my experience to be supported in new context. I trusted in my experience to thrive and be a success and not be a struggling broke artist for the rest of my life. And I found out by risking and investing in an intention and experience that, um, you know, you actually can come out the other side. And, and so many of us choose our suffering more than we choose growth. And it's scary to make that risk of, you know, changing our rates, but people will invest in you. And we decide what we believe that we are worth and people pay what they believe they are worth. And some people, and also what they have, some people will not be able to afford you and will really, really, really want to. And some people will not believe that you're worth that and roll their eyes and go, well, why the fuck are you worth that? And they're not your people that you're meant to work with because they wouldn't even ask. Um, talking about coaching in the future, I've evolved my rates constantly. Um, I remember doubling my hourly rate from like $250 to $500 an hour and being super scared because um, I just, because it was scary. It was, a, it was a big shift and it felt like the shift that felt good for me. It's what I was paying my coach an hour. Um, I believe I have just as much to offer, if not more. Um, I was having incredible results with my clients and I was also working with too many people. I had like, I remember I had like, oh my God, I would like advertise, like a, I had a group in my program and I would get like 60 emails and I would have like 30 consultations and everyone wanted to work with me. And I was like, I literally... Yeah, so I was overwhelmed. So I was like, okay, so I partially do this for my sanity because I can't hold space for this many people. Um, and also because I'm really good at my craft. And, you know, it took me probably a year and a half or something to shift my rates um, to that space. I started out like charging 150 bucks an hour. Um, and then through evolution and through working with people, um, felt in a place of confidence within myself that that is my true worth. And, um, when I told my first client, I will never forget, she emailed me back. Um, actually, I don't know if you, I think it was on the phone. It was on the phone. And she said, there is truly no value that I can place on the work that you and I have done together. Like, I'm so excited for you in this transition with your business. And like, I'm so happy to pay you whatever you believe that you are worth. Like, you know, you're, you're invaluable to me. And I remember just hearing that and being like, whew. <laughs> 
like what a great first like interaction with a you know a new context and a new number um and it's it's so beautiful to have people who believe in your worth just as deeply as you believe in it and um yeah i just think that we need to feel in confidence with with what we're charging and where we are and be in integrity with it and then that allows us to allow it in and we also have to believe like we really have to believe it like as an exercise you guys are going to do about um your thrive number and I've had clients do this and like not believe it or like resist it and be like no ah, it's scary I can't make that much money and like of course they don't fucking make it and then come back to me like a year later and be like oh my god I did it and it's like, yeah, you have to fucking believe in it. You really have to believe that you're capable of doing it and that you're able to do it. And it's also good to do research of like what people pay. Like people usually charge one to two dollars a magazine article. Some online publications pay that, not very many. You're probably not gonna get paid two grand an article no matter how amazing you are. And maybe I'm putting a ceiling on that and you know, JK Rowling gets paid that. Um, but like it's also good to have a context of like what people charge, but within that, give yourself freedom to create new context, give yourself freedom to break ceilings that you have and to be bold and to be brave. And, um, also remember that when you're offering a service and being in service, like I know the Salty Souls does retreats and I do retreats and workshops and coaching. It's like, there is, we think that like people are doing us a favor sometimes when they pay us or like, you know, and it's like, we're literally offering an experience or a session or a thing that is going to like incredibly impact and shake their world. And there is so much value in that. There is so much value. There's actually just the initial investment of like, here's $500 or here's a deposit for this retreat that I'm going to go on. That's the first measurement of growth. Cause it's like, I give a fuck about myself to invest in myself and I'm not spending this money on somebody else or getting my car cleaned. I'm cleaning my, I'm cleaning my soul up and I'm going to invest in that. And so financially spending money on ourselves is the gift of an experience and is so important. So just as it's beautiful to receive money for our services, it's beautiful to spend money for our services. And I don't know, money's fucking gorgeous if you think about it in that way. Like we're literally just like, oh, you're magical. Here's some money. Can I have some of your magic? And then we're like, oh, I'm magical. Would you like to come and be a fairy over here and look at all the things? Um, <laughs> I think that sums up wherever I was going. Thank you so much. I think this is really important for women to hear. I can't wait to do the journaling exercise, which we will include. You will see it there, along with the mantra, which you will are going to put in your fridge or somewhere you see it every day. And believe, and then, it. And believe it. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Caitlin. I love talking with you and being here. And I was saying before, it's like so nice to have um, interviews where we talk about different things and focus on things. And I love um, your questions and talking with you and also the work the salties are doing so i'm stoked to be on the show the salty club is your online optimized wellness platform for adventurous women for 9.99 a month you have access to surf inspired workouts yoga classes guided meditations recipes workshops and interviews just like this one and everyone gets a seven day free trial visit the salty dot club that's the salty s-a-l-t-y dot club c-l-u-b